I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and your host here for this Monday, Wednesday, Friday Let's Ride podcast. That's right, it is Wednesday morning, and this is the first time that we've talked since Monday Night Football. This is the first time we've talked, and and there's a part of me (laughs) that is really glad that I didn't have the Tuesday morning show. That was Michael Beck in the live mic. I hope you checked out his show. It was really well done when he was talking about what is happening to the Steelers. If I would have had that show, I I think you all probably would have thought it to be very entertaining. It would have been this wild and crazy rant. I would have just been yelling and screaming the whole time, but I'm pretty much, I'm a pretty level-headed guy. At least I think so. And when I'm level-headed, and sometimes when I get some time, get some time to step back, think about everything, get my mind right, then I can approach it in a different way. Maybe a little bit more analytical. Maybe it's a little bit more optimistic for those that, that are waiting to hear the pessimistic look. But you know what? I'm still kind of, I'm not kind of, I'm still really upset about the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers not only played on Monday Night Football, but have played the last four weeks. And yeah, they're on a three-game skid, but let's not forget how poorly they played against the Baltimore Ravens at Heinz Field. We all remember that story in the the show that took place leading up to that game where, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? When are they going to play? Maybe now? No, probably not. But about now? I don't know. We know that story, and they didn't play well against the COVID-ravaged Ravens, and then since then they've lost every single game. And throughout all of this, and this goes back before that Ravens game, before the Ravens game, all that stuff, you had these people, these people that will just, I will call them the haters or the doubters. Whatever you want to call them, I don't care. The Steelers at this time, are proving every single one of those haters and doubters to be correct after three the last three weeks, or four if you want to go back. And this goes, Colin Cowherd, I don't know if you all listen to him. I don't anymore. I did when he was on ESPN. I used to find him entertaining. Now he's just very much, he's very clickbaity. You know, he wants to say the hot topic stuff. He wasn't like that early in his career. He was a, he was a lot more level. We'll put it that way. And... It just drives me nuts. I find this, this hits me in a personal spot. No, not that way. To me, this is personal. Because as someone that has a following, someone that has a platform, someone that has a microphone in front of his face and talks to Steeler fans every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, just me and you, the listener, I've been the one the last three weeks, four weeks, you could go beyond and say, don't worry, the Steelers are still winning. Style points don't matter. Don't listen to the talking heads like Colin Cowherd. Don't listen to those people like the guy that writes the power rankings for NFL.com, who even when the Steelers were undefeated, 
refused to have them as the top team, even after they beat teams like the Tennessee Titans when they were both 5-0, and refused to have them at the top team. Even when the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Raiders, he always had the Chiefs ahead and just basically saying, I just don't believe in this team. And I was the one that was yelling from the mountaintops, these people don't know what they're talking about. They don't watch this team like we do. They don't see that it doesn't matter how you win as long as you win. Style points don't matter. All this stuff, I could go on and on. I was the one that was saying it. And I honestly, to goodness gracious, down deep down in my heart, I believed every single syllable. And now I'm looking at this team And I'm mad. Why am I mad? Because they're making me look like a damn fool. That's fact. They're making me look like an idiot. They're making every one of those haters, the guy that writes the power rankings, Colin Coward, they're in front of their microphones or in front of their laptops saying, see, told you so, told you this team was fake, Told you this team was nothing but pretenders and not a contender. I told you that that 11-0 record was nothing but a facade. And they are just loving life. Meanwhile, here I am feeling like a court jester who just tricked my entire audience the entire season. I'm not taking, I'm not taking the blame for this. I just think that right now, the way the Steelers are playing, they are making every single narrative... Every single person that came out and said the Steelers are just not that good, man, they're making them have, they're they're loving life right now. They're just like, God told you so, told you so, and I've always hated people that say that. Told you so, and I try not to do that myself. I try not to. But you know what, as I sat here and I'm thinking, I thought about what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about how everything that these people had said, the Steelers are proving them right. They're proving them right. Everything. Let's talk about the defense. They're, they're, people haven't talked poorly about the defense too much. I'll put it that way. Because, I mean, the Steelers' defense is legit. But they say, oh, there's too many injuries. Too many injuries. And here I was saying, oh, no, the standard is a standard. Next man up. They'll be fine. Maybe maybe they're just not that fine. I think that was pretty much proven when you're relying on Marcus Allen, a safety by trade to have to drop down the box and play inside linebacker next to Avery Williamson, who as of the midway point in the season wasn't even on your team. Think about that. Maybe these injuries are starting to catch up to this defense. And then people said the, the turnover rate that the Steelers are having, it's just not sustainable. They cannot sustain it. And I was the one that said nothing has shown us that it's not it's not sustainable. Well, guess what? That well's kind of gone dry the past few weeks, and it's making that narrative seem like it's true. Now, I do believe the turnovers come in bunches, and right now they're not getting any. But at the same time, that's one of those things that people say, you know, the defense, the Steelers' defense, they're kind of bend, don't break. They've been getting those big plays. Those big plays aren't going to come around all the time. And what did we all say? The eternal optimist. I know there's a plenty of you out there listening that are like me. The Steelers will be fine. They'll still find a way to make those big plays. Well, hasn't happened recently. Then you go to the then you go to the offense. Holy cow, the offense. Where do you start? Where do you start? The narrative that Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's done. He looks like he's done. 
And here I was saying, Ben, this is the new style offense, the get it out of your hands quickly. You don't need to drive the ball down the field all the time. We don't need backyard Ben like we used to see where he's running all over the place. And now you kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing. Because Ben can't be backyard Ben anymore. He doesn't really have that arm strength. He doesn't have that. He has the mobility, but he just doesn't have the capability to do it consistently. And, you know, there's a lot of issues with Ben Roethlisberger that, that maybe they were masked early on in the season, but defenses have caught up, and the Steelers look like they can't adjust. And Ben Roethlisberger's inability to adjust might be a big factor in that. People talk about that short passing game. Well, it's an extension of the run, but that's defenses are going defenses are going to adjust. And what did we say? We said, well, they haven't adjusted yet. Well, they did. They did. They absolutely did. I I can't remember who it was on Monday Night Football. It was not a Muppet. I'll tell you that. It wasn't a freaking Muppet. Gosh, that was annoying. Anyways, that said, these defenses the past four weeks are just coming downhill so hard on these short passes because they know what's coming. They know what's coming. This is essentially 2019 all over again, except who's at the quarterback? Oh, it's Ben Roethlisberger. It's not Mason Rudolph. It's not Devlin Hodges. That's what this is, folks. That's what this is. Remember last year, everyone said Mason Rudolph, all they do is check the ball down. Devlin Hodges, all they do is check the ball down. Guess what's happening now? They're just really checking the ball down. Next, everyone said this this team cannot run the ball if they had to. If their lives depended on it, someone standing there pointing a gun at them says you either run the ball successfully or you're done. They're done. They're done. They can't run the ball. Benny Snell showed some signs of life on Monday Night Football. But my gosh, it, this team, this offensive line, I'm sorry. I've I've thought of so many excuses for them. Well, you know, they were they were drafted to block for Le'Veon Bell, and he's a different beast, and and now you're just dealing with these different running backs. That's nonsense. This narrative that they cannot run, uh, barring some ridiculous, crazy, you know, I, I, change happening, they can't. They cannot run the ball. They can't run the ball. And a lot of people kept on saying over and over and over again, it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. This is not sustainable. Well, what's not sustainable? The short passing game? Yeah, kind of has proven right. Ben Roethlisberger not turning the ball over? Yeah, <laughs> that's been proven the last three weeks as well. What's been the the one theme for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense the last three weeks? It is not protecting the football. Not protecting the football. Roethlisberger obviously had two interceptions. I'm sorry, he had an interception fumble juju smith schuster had a fumble they are not protecting the football and when you don't protect the football i don't care how good your defense is you're not going to give them a chance to succeed even ryan finley given a short field and given enough opportunities will make enough plays to put points on the board and that's exactly what's happening right now the offense every narrative that's ever been written or talked about that is in a negative connotation, has been proven right the last three weeks. And then there's Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. He and Ben Roethlisberger talk about dropping off a cliff. I'm not joking. They went from Ben Roethlisberger, potential MVP candidate. And if not MVP candidate, someone that's definitely going to garner at least a few votes. Something that's never happened in his career. 
Mike Tomlin, the front runner for coach of the year. Now, think about it. There's no chance and you know where that either of these two gentlemen would get a vote for either of those postseason awards. No way. No chance. Not, nope, not going to happen. Mike Tomlin, for the third straight year, has watched his team completely collapse, fold like a cheap lawn chair in the month of December. Ben Roethlisberger, he is just, he looks every bit of 38 years old. He looks every bit of a guy that's coming off of season-ending elbow surgery. He just looks bad. Mike Tomlin, is he an underachiever? If you think back to the teams, it's hard not to di- it's hard not to agree with that narrative. I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan. I am. Those that have listened to me for long enough know I am not a Tomlin hater. I've never been the guy that says, hashtag fire Tomlin on Twitter. That's just not me. But you know what? We all said it all season. Style points don't matter. They don't matter. And you know what? Mike Tomlin on Tuesday even said it in his press conference that, you know, winning is all that matters. And he's right. He is right. But you know what these ugly losses prove and these ugly losses do? They give a glimpse, a glimpse into what I call the fragility of the team. How fragile is this team? This team, this 2020 Steelers team is ridiculously fragile. And I'm not talking about injuries. Now, you can point to positions like guard, positions like inside linebacker, and yeah, Fragile as in injuries is important. I'm talking about the offense cannot sustain a negative play. If they do, you might as well just send Jordan Berry out there on first down and let him punt it away. If they don't succeed in having a positive play on first down, they're going to be behind the chains and they're going to struggle. Think about that. Think about that and then compare it to any of the other elite offenses in the NFL. Any of them. I don't care. You could name a bunch of elite offenses right now. You could talk about New Orleans. You could talk about Green Bay. You could talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. Even the Tennessee Titans. They have a negative play, whether it's a false start, whether it's a tackle for loss. They're not not facing second and 14, second and 15, or even first and 15, and saying, man, this is is a, a hill we can't climb. That's exactly what I feel like, though, with the Steelers. This team is fragile. They are fragile. They can't they can't withstand the turnovers. And not many teams can. I don't want that to be a glaring a negative statement about the Steelers, but my goodness, right now, and this is another this is the last narrative I'm going to talk about from these haters and these doubters that say right now this is not a championship team. They already have a playoff spot. We know that. All it takes is a win to win the division. But right now, right now, find me a fan that says, yeah, they got it. They're going to their seventh Lombardi. And I'll find you someone that literally is drunk. Because right now they look awful. They look awful. And to all those haters, you know, Colin Cowherd, the, the, the morons that write the power rankings. And I have to write that article. That's the only reason I check that stuff. But you should know that I am the eternal optimist. Okay, I'm the eternal optimist. I talk a lot about my dad and my brother on this podcast, and we were texting a lot yesterday. And at the end of the game, my brother's like, I don't even know what's going on with this team. And I said, point blank, they stink. They stink right now. 
He said, wow, did you really just say that? My brother is, in college, they called him the hater. They hater Hartman because he was always the realist, and he's always been that way. And he's, he was stunned because I'm the eternal optimist. I'm the one that always tries to find the silver lining in the cloud. But let's call a spade a spade right now. This team stinks right now, especially the offense. They stink to the high heavens, period, period. Now, I'm going to finish this show out, so stay tuned with a little statistic that might give you some hope because I am a positive guy. I am an optimist. I am going to try to find a silver lining. But nonetheless, I look at this and I say, oh, man, that, that Monday night game was bad. And it's proving all of these haters, it's proving them right. I can't stand it. It's personal now. And they're getting me angry. They're getting me fired up. So we have some winners and losers to talk about. Right after this break, when we come back, we'll go over winners and losers. And I'll finish up on a positive note. There you go. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of this Let's Ride Wednesday morning podcast. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and as we always do, my show after the game, whether it's on Monday or in this case on Wednesday, we go over winners and losers. This is an article that I write for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. This obviously ran on Tuesday. You can check it out if you'd like. It's always pretty uh, a popular article for, for the most part. Had three winners and seven losers after this game. If, if you thought that it was going to be somehow trending in a different way, I don't know what you expected. Yeah, they were going to... I always can find a couple players that definitely stood out in a positive way. And I did so again on Monday night. Started off with Benny Snell Jr. Listen to the stat line. 18 carries for 84 yards, a 4.7 average. He did have a touchdown. And he had, he had a 29-yard long uh, run. Steelers have not had that long run in a long time. But you know what? On a night where there were hardly any bright spots, I mean hardly any bright spots on offense whatsoever, I thought Benny Snell did a good job when he got the opportunity. Now, unfortunately, the the score dictated the, the pace of the game. It dictated what the Steelers did, and they weren't able to really lean in on him. I felt like if they could have gotten him 25 carries, he easily would have gone over 100 but obviously that they weren't able to stick to the run. So I thought that Benny Snell made the most of his opportunities. You may disagree. A lot of people did in the article. That's fine. It's your prerogative. Next winner, Deontay Johnson, eight receptions, 59 yards, 7.4 average. He did have a touchdown, 23 yard long on 13 targets. So eight catches on 13 targets. You know, I was really anxious to see Deontay Johnson. I wanted to see what kind of rebound he was going to have after my goodness. We've all talked about his drops now for the last three weeks. I, again, the tape doesn't lie. I thought that Deont- Deontay Johnson did a great job. And I thought he caught everything thrown his way that most of us would call a catchable pass. Yeah, There were some bad throws that he didn't bring in, and so that's where the targets come out. But I thought any pass, every pass that he that was thrown his way that he could get his hands on, I thought he made the catch. 
it, it just became blatantly obvious, though, when Deontay Johnson is clicking, boy, the Steelers' offense looks night and day different. They look dynamic. He Every time he gets the ball in his hands, he's a threat to make a big play. And you saw that on Monday night. You did see it on Monday night. But let's hope, fingers crossed, Johnson's over his case of the drops. That was just a mental lapse and that he's he's over it because the Steelers are going to need him down the stretch for sure. Third and final winner is Minka Fitzpatrick. He had seven total tackles, six solo tackles, and one tackle for loss. Yeah, when he came up and made that tackle on Ryan Finley, it maybe wasn't as impressive as the 2019 play he made on Kyler Murray in Arizona. But still, a one-on-one play in the open field, not easy. Finley, obviously, he proved he can run the football, and Minka Fitzpatrick made the play. But not only that, I think Minka Fitzpatrick is playing some great defense. He's seeing the field well. He's definitely adjusting with Terrell Edmonds. Those two are getting comfortable next to one another back in the deep half. He is proving his value and his worth to this Steelers defense every single week. So for that, Minka Fitzpatrick, he's a winner. Let's get to the fun stuff now. Right after a loss, you don't want to hear about the good. You want to hear about the bad. You want to voice your frustration. Well, who's the top loser? Yeah, you guessed it. Number seven, Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. Ben finds himself on the loser list for the second week in a row. Listen to this stat line. 20 of 38, 170 yards, a 4.5 average, 4.5 yard average, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked once for 12 yards with a 62.4 rating. Where do you even start with this performance? I mean, it was as bad as you can imagine, and then some. Roethlisberger, he's the straw which stirs the Steelers' drink. We know this. Everyone knows this. And when he's off, well, you saw exactly what happens. Now, a lot of people have asked me on social media, do I think there's something wrong with Ben Roethlisberger's arm? Structurally, no, I don't. I don't think that he re-injured his arm. I don't think there was a situation where he has some type of collateral damage with his elbow. Do I think that his arm is fatigued? Yes. Yes, I do. Think about it. From a just use logic, which is really tough for a lot of people to do in 2020 for some reason, but still think about this like logically. Ben Roethlisberger in 2019 maybe throws 40 passes. He hurts himself. He doesn't come back in, in the week two against Seattle at home. So he has surgery, doesn't throw, doesn't throw, doesn't throw. It's not until February 21st, I believe. Why do I know that? Because my birthday is the 20th. And I remember it was the day after my birthday, I saw the video of him throwing a football. So think about the timeline. So he's just now starting. At that point, he's just able to start throwing. I mean, yeah, he threw a football, but he's got to get his arm right. He's got to get his elbow rehab still. Now, all of a sudden, he's back into a season. It's, it's a long season, and at the end of the season, in the second half, the Steelers are throwing the ball at a ridiculous clip, sometimes 50 or more times. I just think his arm is just not, it's not in shape for this. It Maybe, I don't know if it ever will be in shape for that. That's the big concern. But you cannot train your body. I mean, you could sit there and throw every single day, every single day, and when you're coming off a surgically, surgically repaired elbow, and you only played in one and a half games in 2019, you have to expect some fatigue to be there. So people yell and scream from the mountaintops, Ben should be practicing on Wednesdays. I get it. But at the same time, if it keeps his arm a little bit fresh, you want him to be a little bit fresh. But I'll tell you what, if there's ever a time they need to go all in on trying to run the ball and have some type of balance, it's now. Trust me. The next loser, Juju Smith-Schuster. 
This isn't about receptions, okay? His stat line is you have to understand the perception. And what I'm talking about is something I didn't even want to talk about. And that's him doing his stupid TikTok dances on the logo before a game. I know he's been doing it for a while. But you know what? The Buffalo Bills called him out. They called him out on it. And they brought attention to it. And then you know what Juju Smith-Schuster did? He doubled down on his celebration. He doubled down on his brand being important. That's fine. That's fine. I have no problem with it. Had no problem with it then. Have no problem with it now. But he has to understand the perception of what he's doing to the opposition. If it's giving them any type of, you know, throwing gasoline on a fire, then you need to not do it. You need to stop. It was pretty clear that whenever Juju touched the ball, Cincinnati, boy, did they see dead red and they were going head hunting. They were sending a message. So Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday in his press conference that he is going to talk with Juju. It's about respect, yada, yada, yada. You know what? Juju's got to be smart enough that when he meets with the media, and he will this week, if he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, the Pittsburgh Steelers organization is a clown show. You got to put him out there because if he's going to have the balls to go out there and say, yeah, I'm just going to still do this because I'm a fun-loving guy and all this stuff, then you know what? When he does that and then gets – well, he almost gets his head knocked off and he fumbles a football. You got to put him out there to face the music. So Juju, you're a fun loving guy. I still love you to death, but you know what? Sometimes you got to know when to knock it off. And that time is right now. Next loser, Alejandro Villanueva. His stat line is Carl Lawson's stat line. Carl Lawson had two tackles, two solo, one sack, two tackles for losses and six quarterback hits. He hit Ben Roethlisberger six times. Look, There's a strong contingent of the Steelers fan base that already didn't want Villanueva next year anyways. They they, they think he's having a bad season. They think he's kind of washed up. They think he's cost too much money. Get him out of there. But the sack numbers, you know, the Steelers, they they didn't give up a lot of sacks. So it kind of speaks for itself. But on a national stage, boy, did Carl Lawson make Villanueva look like a turnstile. Villanueva has always had his ups and downs. And when you're a left tackle, if you're being noticed, it's typically for the wrong reasons. So it wasn't a good outing for Big Al. Let's hope he bounces back, but he was not good on Monday night. Next loser, the third down offense. They went four for 16 on third downs. There was a time in the first half where the Steelers, I want to say it was almost the entire first quarter, they didn't convert on any third downs and also didn't even get a first down. It literally was three plays, Jordan Berry, three plays, Jordan Berry, three plays, Jordan Berry. Goodness, that sounds like a really bad 1980s pop song. But still, as bad as it's as bad as it has been, this roller coaster of an offense through the 2020 regular season. But in the first half, man, they struggled on first downs. I talked about that earlier in the show. They struggle on first downs. They struggle, period. Period. I, I, I just... It was tough to watch. It was tough to watch. And when you have a team that is honest to goodness, they're like a short passing team. That's how they try to use the extension of the run. Nothing made this more obvious than the play that Juju got hit and fumbled. It was the third and seven, I believe. Juju Smith-Schuster is running a shallow crossing route right on the line of scrimmage. And Ben Roethlisberger throws him the ball. And three Cincinnati Bengals are ready to bear down on him. That play was dead on arrival. Why he threw it, I don't know, but that just epitomizes the Steelers' third down offense, period. Next, loser, the turnovers. Three turnovers and zero takeaways. I mentioned this in the first segment. 
You know, coming into week 15, the Steelers were number one in the NFL in turnover differential. They were plus 11. Now they're plus eight. That's a pretty that's a pretty far fall from grace. And the fact that the Steelers couldn't take the ball away from Ryan Finley is is almost as shocking as giving up th- giving up the ball three times in the first half. This is a key metric for the Steelers. Like I said, they're a fragile team. They can't give it away three times and not take it away. That's a problem. So that's a loser. Uh, red zone offense. They they were one for two in the red area. That's not bad. To me, it's it's not about the success ratio this week. It's about the fact that they couldn't even get into the red zone more than two times against the two ten and one at the time. Now they're three ten and one. Cincinnati Bengals. This offense has been infuriating, and this is just one of the ways that I I was I was livid. I was livid doing that post game show last uh, on Monday night was difficult. Put it that way. It was difficult. It was very difficult. And then lastly, the rush defense. 41 carries for 152 yards. That's the stat line for the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, the Steelers' defense, Keith Butler, they had to know the Bengals were going to want to establish the run. Take some pressure off Ryan Finley. Everyone knew they were going to do that, and they were able to do it. So when the entire viewing audience knew the Bengals were going to run, they were still able to get the job done. Think about that. You throw in the fact that Ryan Finley, no, not Cam Newton, not Lamar Jackson, was able to abuse that defense with these run-pass options, RPOs. That was embarrassing. Alex Highsmith, when he's watching the film in front of with the team, I don't care if it's virtual or not, he's probably going to get reamed for getting abused by Ryan Finley on more than one occasion. You expect the Steelers' defense, and this is maybe, maybe I'll have them set on a pedestal. I don't know. But you expect the Steelers' defense to make a team one-dimensional. You know, take take away what they're trying to do. Force the ball into Ryan Finley's hands. They couldn't do it. They could not do it. When Ryan Finley gets the Bengals a win by throwing the ball 13 times, you can talk about turnovers all you want. They weren't able to do it. Period. That's That's just as bad, in my opinion. So those are my winners and losers from this past week. Was not pretty. Was not pretty pretty at all and it's tough for me to say this it's tough for me to to finish on a positive because there's not many positives to come out of the pittsburgh steelers to be honest with you it's just it's just not it's just not good but at the same time if you're someone that is thinking to yourself what in the heck's jeff going to talk about how's he going to finish this on a positive well think about this the last team to start 11-0 and and then lose their next three games. Anyone know who that was? This is according to ESPN Stats and Info, by the way. It was the 2009 New Orleans Saints. They started 11-0, 11-0, lost their next three. And what did they end up doing? They ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. Now, do I think, I said it earlier, right now, are they a championship team? And the answer to that is no. No, no, they're not a championship team. But could they still win a championship? I, 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 at this point in time, I don't know what to expect from a week in and week out basis. To be honest with you, but at the same time, that they could, yeah, they could. If they if they beat the Colts on Sunday, let's just let's just roll out this scenario. Is it likely? Probably not. But let's just roll this scenario out. If the Steelers were to host the Indianapolis Colts, the 10-win Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts come into town, they're vying for the AFC South. 
The Steelers just need one win. And let's just say, for the sake of this show, for the sake of the argument, that the Steelers blow their doors off, that they make Phillip Rivers wish he retired. The pass rushes all over him. They're stymieing the running game. The offense is starting to figure out some semblance of balance. Ben Roethlisberger is much more, much more accurate with the football. Proving that last week, week 15, was more of an aberration than it was what the new norm is. What if that happens? Does that change your perception of the team? Does that make you think all of a sudden, well, wait a second, maybe this team's back? To me, it would. It absolutely would. It absolutely would. Because if they were to do that, if they were to beat the Colts, and I don't even care if they don't blow their doors off, if they just beat the Colts on Sunday, and the and, and then all of a sudden they lock up the AFC North, so they, they win on Sunday, they lock up the North, guess what happens? Barring the Buffalo Bills completely falling flat on their face, the Steelers are the three seed, and that's pretty much locked in because they, had, they would have the head-to-head win over both the Colts and the Titans. So they would, they would have that three seed locked in. They can rest everyone on Week 17 if they want. That Week 17 game means absolutely nothing. It means everything for Cleveland. It means absolutely nothing for Pittsburgh. That changes everything. That changes everything. So for me, you look at that stat about the Saints in 2009, and that gives you a little bit of hope. You think about the Steelers can win, and I know that's a big if right now. But if they can win on Sunday, a whole new ball game. Put it that way. We'll talk about that game coming up on Friday. You'll get my picks. You'll get my thoughts on that game. That's going to be an interesting game for a lot of reasons, and we'll break it down all for you on Friday. Look, if you haven't checked out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com yet, do it. I know that you are probably thinking, why would I want to read about it? Like for, I'll give you an example. Jeffrey Benedict put out a phenomenal film room on how you knew who was at fault on Monday night. It was none other than number seven, Ben Roethlisberger, and he breaks it down like none, no one else can. Tremendous work. We have a really good article going up Wednesday today from KT Smith. That's Cliff Harris is still a punk about the autopsy on the dead Steelers offense. I'm telling you, this stuff is great. Make sure you check it out. Um, and I'm going to have a really special heart to heart on Friday as well. Um, honoring one, Mr. Kevin green. Um, I didn't want to do it today. I wanted to wait till Friday. I thought that was a really good heart to heart segment to talk about him, what he means to me, what he meant to my childhood. Yes. There's a lot there to uncover. I did not forget. So if you're thinking, wow, I'm surprised Jeff didn't mention that I will on Friday. So make sure wherever you get your podcast, just search Steelers or behind the steel curtain and follow us, subscribe. So you don't miss a thing folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with me. I hope that you have a great Christmas Eve if you celebrate the holiday. I'll be back on Friday morning. Yeah, Friday morning. I'm going to be back talking about the Steelers. Oh, that's going to be a good show. I'm getting excited for that already. Hey, if the Steelers being bad is the worst thing that happens in your life, then your life's doomed. You have a pretty good life. Think about it that way. Hey, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. We'll see you on Friday. Let's see.